Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Hero Puck Podcast. My name is Ethan Hoffman. I'm joined today by Elkin Beltry. Elkin, we had three game sevens last night. Yes. It was exciting times. You won't believe that I parlayed all the winners and mm. came out victorious. Nice I little love scratch win. The Hero Puck Pass. The Hero Puck Pod. I love to hear. I mean, it was it was great to see. I mean, I was definitely enjoy seeing Edmonton win out. And, of course, Carolina winning out. But... I'm going to admit it, I'm a little sad that Toronto wasn't able to pull it through. And Toronto, as we were talking before, before we came on here, they are a curse, curse franchise. I want them to succeed, but every time they get ready to succeed, they ah, they fall short. Yeah, they do have some some playoff foibles, as it were. But hey, you know, I, I had the favorites parlayed, or I'm not even sure if Lightning were favorites, but they should have been in my mind, so I bet them all. Mm-hmm. And yeah, worked out for me. also took Edmonton puck line. Mm, that smart. also paid some dividends. So we had a good day on the hockey bets. Two game sevens today. I'm excited about that. How could you not be? I wish it was. I mean, I mean, you always got to be excited. I mean, it's it's one of those things where you have Pittsburgh and, of course, you have the Rangers. Then you have on the other on the other side, you have Dallas and you have Calgary. I'm, I'm interested to see what's going to happen with this Pittsburgh Rangers game, though. I'm, I'm really interested about that one. Yeah, does Sid the Kid get another playoff win, or do the Rangers, who are a little bit more of an upstart, and Mark Zuccarello make, make their advancement in the playoffs? I like how we still call him Sid the Kid, even though he's like 35 years old now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love a nickname. And out in the Flames, we got Johnny Hockey, Johnny Goudreau for the Flames. And I'm always, if it comes down to it, I root for Canadian teams just because I think that's more fun. You're definitely right about that one. I love it. Back to the other Game 7s, though. Um, Boston Celtics um, are hosting the Milwaukee Bucks, and the Suns will be hosting the Dallas Mavericks today. So, Elgin, I say we just get into these series here, and let, let's get to chatting, man. Celtics, Bucks. What have we been seeing so far during this series to um, to make us pick something for tomorrow? Uh, I think it's uh, – I'll tell you the truth. Like, this series is – this is definitely a good, like, for me, it's like a pendulum series because there's so many things going back and forth. Like, I honestly expected with Middleton being out that the Celtics were going to wrap this up in six games. Like, I wasn't expecting Middleton to be out, but I was like, oh, he's going to be out. So he's going to, that's going to be it. But then now I'm seeing it. I'm like, oh, nope. Looks like the Celtics are having some trouble. And then. I mean, we were treated with that that game six. Even though even though the Celtics won by 13 points in that game six, we were treated to not, to such a nice superstar matchup with with Tatum and Giannis. I loved it. But looking at trends, I feel like Boston's gonna pull this one out. I don't know why, Ethan. This is it's just my feeling with the with the way the series has been going. See how teams have been playing. Um, Holiday. I hope he shows up for Milwaukee. We all know Giannis has been showing up. Giannis always shows up in these type of games. But Holiday, I've been kind of worried because I expect Holiday to kind of pick up the slack. And I mean, he did. He did have 17 points in Game Six. But it took him 17 shots, so we don't we don't like that. But you kind of felt like no one else really showed up for Milwaukee in Game Six, and that's kind of how it goes. Like if Milwaukee gets their guys like Grayson Allen, Holiday, Matthews. Lopez and Porter sitting threes for me that's like oh they're gonna win but when they have these games which you know role players tend to not play as well on the road like 
even though game six is a home game for them, you kind of see the role players struggle. And I'm worried about them in game seven on the road, hostile environment. I'm not worried about Giannis. That, I feel like he's going to have at least 30. That's where I look at it as. At least 30. But the other guys, that's what I'm worried about. This is when you need Middleton. I feel like in a game seven like this, where they're going to put the focus on someone else besides Giannis to beat you, I think that's where you need Middleton to come in and just come in like a flamethrower. Yeah, the way the way I saw this series is like they just don't have enough defense without Middleton to like maintain a, a productive offense. When you put, can play Giannis, Drew, um, Brooke Lopez, Middleton, you can kind of have a, a scab out there that's not very good at defense. You can have Conton get just minutes. You can have Grayson Allen get some minutes. You can have Wesley Matthews, who although he, he has shown some juice defensively this series and has made some of his threes, he's he's definitely not the guy you want getting a ton of minutes. Um, like with this team. They just don't have as much of a defensive identity this season without with the, the departure of P.J. Tucker. And obviously there's some corner three-point shooting that goes away with that as well. But I'm not going to lie, as a Heat fan, like you don't really count on that. You just appreciate it when it comes because he's such an infrequent shooter that you don't you definitely can't count on that kind of offense. But the, the defense is what's important. Now, I think the Bucks, if they had... Just like if those guys, like, I mean, obviously, Grayson Allen's shooting horribly. He's 25% for the series. Wesley Matthews is 38. Bobby Portis at 15%. Brooke Lopez hasn't made a three in seven attempts. Like, these guys are all shooting below their expectations, except for Pat Connaughton, who's at 50% for the series. So, good job, Pat. Um, but he's not really the volume chucker. Like, he's not like a Duncan Robinson or Max Struess that just, like, comes off of screens and fires. He's a catch-and-shoot guy exclusively. With all that being said, Elkin, this team doesn't have a defensive identity with these existing players, and that comes down to not having Chris Middleton, who is at least competent at all times. And so Chris Middleton helps you get the one-on-one offense that Giannis can't do himself all the time, and he assists in guarding the Jalens and also, um, or Jalen and Jason, the Jays, I should say, and then also helping like with Marcus Spartan, his probing, Derek White, etc. So this team is really all Giannis, and Giannis, I don't think, can be expected to pull it out. I am going to favor the Celtics in this matchup today. You guys will, by the time you hear this, you'll probably know the result. I'm not sure if I'll get this edited and out before then. But, yeah, I think the Celtics will have the advantage. Those guys... There's plenty of good shooters on the Celtics team. We got Brown over 40%, Horford over 40%, Smart over 40% for the series. Like This team has plenty of guys who can put in the basket, not to mention Jason Tatum, who is an, a matchup nightmare. There's no reason for Boston to lose this series other than, sometimes my personal opinion, point guards, as they're labeled, like Marcus Smart and Derek White, are particularly good facilitators. And also don't create much of their own offense. So there's a chance that I they just are a turnover-prone team today and the Bucks sneak, keep it keep keep it close. And then Drew Holiday and Giannis bring it home. But I think the line today is four and a half. Like, I, I would say that's a fair line and it's favoring Boston. I, I'm not going to bet it today, but, like, that's that's something. Because I want the Bucks to win because I'd rather – I mean, I'd – I think that he can be both teams personally, but I think that the 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 Bucks without the, with the PJ Tucker swap over to the Heat, I think swings the series back towards like the bubble series closer than to the series it was last season. Yeah, definitely. And looking at it, like I'm trying to find something good for Milwaukee besides some of their besides Giannis and Holiday. Like I even like I'm gonna ask you, 
because it's part of the wrong series for it. Serge Ibaka, is he injured? I don't know if it matters because I I don't think he brings anything to this team. Like this Celtics team, like I'm looking at Grant, um, I'm looking at Robert Williams specifically. He's played in 70, 71 minutes. Let's see if I have the average. So he's playing 23 minutes a game. You basically need someone like Robert Williams and Daniel Tice to be on the court. Those guys are combining for 30 minutes a game. That means Grant Williams slash Jason Tatum is getting some center minutes. And I don't think Ibaka has any advantage in that, in those matchups. I don't think he has an advantage with Tice or Williams either. He just probably can maybe push some of those if he plays great. I don't think his shooting is trustworthy enough. Like I would rather keep rolling Brooke Lopez up saying he's due uh, and keep playing Bobby Portis and saying he's due than roll out Serge Ibaka who didn't play most of the season with this team and hasn't yeah, and, looked and like I'm himself in the moments I've seen him play this year now. for the Clippers. In hindsight, would you have wanted to keep DiVincenzo as far as is this a guy who gets some burn in a series like this that can help you out when you're down? But I know DiVincenzo is pretty much an all-offensive guy not going to provide much defense. So I'm trying to think how much that would have helped them out in this run. I mean, and, and it's easy to be hindsight's 2020, easy to look at it, blah, blah, blah. But it's something I was thinking about while looking at the rotations and the minutes that like Ibaka is playing. I'm like, I thought you picked up, I, I know he's pretty much picked up as a Brooke Lopez insurance policy, but I feel like it's a wasted roster spot now. That's what, that's what I'm getting. Yeah, and I, I 100% agree with you. Like, I think Dante DiVincenzo would be helpful for a, this team right now. And not, not because he's a like, – he's not a horrible defensive player, but but he's definitely not, like, a positive kind of guy. Like, he he's going to scrape a little bit better than, like, a Grayson Allen and probably not, you know, make people irritated quite as much. Like, no one's going to, like, just – no one's going to hunt DiVincenzo like they hunt Grayson Allen because everyone hates Grayson Allen. I mean, it's just one of those one of those kind of funny things. Um, so I'm trying to pull up the exacto trade for our boy DiVincenzo. But like, if you just look at his stats from the season, DiVincenzo early in the season played 17 games with the Bucks and was shooting horribly. He's shooting, um, let me see, this is uh, 28% from three. Once he made the transition over to Sacramento, was shooting closer to 37% from three. Was horrible from two all year, which about half his shots are coming from three and that kind of does weigh it down. But I am, but, I am, I am giving him some slack since he's coming back from a pretty significant injury. Oh, and that's that's 100% fair. I was, I'm just like looking at what what the numbers what the numbers are saying, and for some reason, unfortunately, best reference only says he was traded from Milwaukee to Sac. It wasn't including the um, all those details. But I think Dante would be getting some burn in this in this series because at the end of the day, you need. Scoring, you need some athleticism, and Grayson Allen, for as much as he, I think he probably is a little bit better shooter most of the time compared to Dante Divincenzo. I don't like him. I don't like him as he's aged into the NBA with his athleticism. I like Dante Divincenzo driving and trying to finish a little bit better. Anyway, I got the uh, I got the trade pulled up here. The Kings require that um, Dante Divincenzo a fourteen trade. Marvin Bagley went to the Pistons. Um, Marvin Bagley to the Pistons, Josh Jackson to the Pistons, Trey Lyles, or no, Josh Jackson went to the Kings, Trey Lyles went to the Kings, uh, Rodney Hood and Simi Ojale to the, to the Clippers, and then Serge Ibaka and two second round picks. So really, Elkin, it comes down to this, like, do we think Simi Ojale could, could play in the series, or DiVincenzo? And I honestly, based on the P.J. Tucker X, I know Simi Ojale is no P.J. Tucker, 
But I think both those guys would have been more both those guys would have been more helpful right now than Surge or those second round picks. But that's that's hindsight, and that's why we you know we we get to sit here with a microphone and 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 make make jokes. Um, but if they if theory if Brook Lopez never would have come back, they would have needed Serge Ibaka, and that's not how it happened. So looks like we both got the Celtics. Move it on. Now let's go out west for the the later game seven, which is against which we have Dallas and Phoenix, which has been a pretty been a little spicy series as I call it. A little bit of, a little bit of spice both ways. I mean, it's for me there hasn't been a game where I'm like this is a super nail biter. I mean, there's been some close games towards the end, but like the last two games have been, I think you have close to 20 digit. 20 point wins so i'm looking at it now for game seven chris paul has been struggling this series from three-point line he's been doing great out of he's he's 50 percent but he doesn't feel like he's a chris paul from the pelican series but i know he did have to carry more of the weight looking at it man i'm kind of expecting i'll tell you this season i have bias i want the mavericks to win i'm guessing as the series has gone along i just can't stand I can't stand Phoenix right now. So I'd rather have Dallas win, even though Dallas is pretty much like a one-man show. Phoenix, to me, is the better team, like, without a doubt. But it's just interesting how Phoenix can't solve the Luka Doncic puzzle. It doesn't seem like they're able to, like, fully solve it. Even in the games where, like, Dallas loses, Luka can pretty much do, like, whatever he wants. So that's what I'm looking at. And after saying all that, I expect Chris Paul to have a solid game. Like, I know people are like, well, look at his track history in game sevens, yada, yada, yada. I think he's going to have a solid game for them. At home, Phoenix has been shown to play pretty good at home. I actually, have they lost a home game at all these playoffs? No. So, let me, well, I think they did lose game two to the Pelicans. Um, I had to go back to that series. The, I'll, I'll look that up right now, but I just want to let you all know the margin of vic- the smallest margin of victory in this series right now has been nine points on a Dallas home game. The 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 Suns on the other hand won by ten, then they won by twenty, and they won by thirty at home. And Mavericks have followed a pretty similar trend line where it was just nine, ten, and then the blowout in um, the final game. So. Anyway, just so yes, they did lose. The, the Suns did lose game two. Was the home game they lost, and then they 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 kept the job, kept the job moving, and won their home game in game five, and won finished off on the road in game six with Chris Paul's perfect fourteen or fourteen game. Elkin, like, I I actually don't really care who wins the series. Like I don't know who I want to would rather watch the Warriors play. I lean towards, I think I'd rather watch the Suns play the Warriors because I think DeAndre Ayton would have a much more impactful series against the Warriors than any big of the uh, of the Mavericks, although the Mavericks bigs can shoot a little bit, so there's something to be said for that. I, 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 I would really be interested to see what the swarming defense of the Warriors looks like against Luka Doncic. Like, does Draymond Green really try to, like, you know, muscle his way up and guard Luka a lot? Like, or does that lead him to foul trouble? So they sit clay on him or, or they, you know, unfortunately, you know, Gary Payton Jr., like he's too small probably, but he could have like maybe been a pest at, at the ankles, tried to get some loose balls. 
Man, I just don't know what series I prefer. I think the Warriors would dispatch the Mavericks a lot easier, so I lean towards hoping the Suns win today. Um, and I guess to go into like more thought process about this series is like, I was I, I wish I had some road home splits because the Mavericks role players, so not Brunson, not Luca, all those guys are shooting incredibly from three. Like three of more, like they're over forty percent. Dimwitty shooting fifty percent from three this series, like they're they are in it to win it at home at least. I, but I think those stats are skewed to where they are shooting much yeah, better. Yeah, I mean, you're at definitely right. Like I'm looking at those splits, and and that's what you would expect. And like, so I'm going into this game seven. I know Luca's going to do his thing, and I feel like Brunson's going to do his thing. Now, who else is going to do a thing? Like this is a game where I'm like Spencer Dimwitty. You're literally good at breaking down people off the dribble. We would need you to go off. Like Reggie Bullock, you got to make some threes. Like, you got to help us out. Like, they need those guys. Honestly, I feel like from the role players, they probably need, like, combined, like, 10 three-pointers from them at least, from those role players. Like, that's what they're going to need from them to, like, at least keep it close and then to help Luca and Brunson take over. But it, it feels like Brunson also hasn't had the same impact in this series as he did in the Jazz series, which makes sense. I mean, there's... There's different type of defenders that he has to face, not just on the perimeter, but when he gets into the paint as well. So that that completely makes sense. But I'm looking at it, and I think Luca's going to give him a chance to win, keep it close. But Ethan also wouldn't be surprised if we're like just chilling, checking out scores, and we tune into the third quarter, and it's like Suns have a 20 point lead. Yeah, I'll be on the golf course most of the day. I'll probably be able to watch part of the early game because I don't think my tee time's till 2:30. Playing out here, I'm in Bend, Oregon this weekend. It's been beautiful. Played, playing some really fun, really fun, cool golf courses this weekend. Um, but yeah, it just if those if those role players show up and shoot, like I said it's it's 40 45 percent from three for Dorian Fane Smith. It's 44 for Kleba. It's thir- it's 39 from Bull. And then Bertans I, I, is shooting like 55 percent. 55 from Bertans. I I'm dyslexic, so I had. Dimwitty has Bertans, no, but okay. that's okay. Dimwitty's still shooting like 46%, uh, which is stupidly yeah, shooting, good. Right. For a guy who used to be like, like you think you think of him more of as a driver than a, a shooter, this is kind of interesting. But that's the thing that scares me about it, is like these all these guys are not shooter shooters, and so if they don't shoot on the road, we're tough. I, I, I'm going to say the Suns are going to win this one. I think... I think if Chris Paul's not himself, he is going to defer properly, but get out there and still organize the offense. I don't think he'll be the one. I think he'll play a lot of decoy if he doesn't have it. If some of the stuff about him being hurt, which comes up every time Chris Paul's hurt, is is worse. Sometimes it's true. Sometimes it's a little fabricated, in my personal opinion. But the man's an old man and he's small. I, I get why he's beat up a lot. But I, I will take the Suns today. I think Devin Booker, with the help he has around him, is a little bit more suited to win this game than Luka Doncic on the road with the help he has. Especially given, like the really the only the, the way that the Mavericks win this game today for me is that Jalen Brunson has his game of the series because he hasn't really had one of those. My personal opinion. yeah, like you haven't had a game like he did in Utah where like Luka's out and Jalen Brunson completely takes over. Like Jalen Brunson has to take over, but. Now you guys have our series conclusion as far as these two Game 7s. Now let's stay out west, Ethan. We had a series conclude recently with the Warriors and the Grizzlies. Warriors winning it out in six games. 
Warriors deciding, I mean, they decided to go to game five. Now, were they actually there? That's debatable. But then in game six, they were like, all right, all right, all right, let's end the series. But I almost feel like, I mean, so you have, so game three and five were like the blowout games. I mean, yeah, game six were won by a lot, but it almost felt like with the Jama Rant factor, like, I would have loved to have seen this series if we had a healthy John Morant for the entire series. Like, I feel like this could have been another Game 7 series. Just with the way things were going, like, the two, the first two games were really close games. I felt like we could have had that. that I, I can't get that out of my head, but at the end of the day, I mean, you kind of look at it as, I, I feel like as though I think of it is experience versus inexperience when it comes to playoffs how to handle possessions knowing that like in the playoffs every possession almost feels like every possession matters like 10 times more than it won the regular season because a, tur a turnover can lead to such a big swing a missed shot can lead to a whole bunch of things so i'm looking at it that way but it's weird where i actually even though the grizzlies lost i still feel good about that team moving forward like in the future i feel very good about that team Oh, I feel great about the Grizzlies moving forward. And shout out to Dylan Brooks for having one good game to make his averages look like his normal stuff, you know? <laughs> like he's now he now shot 31% from the field and 32% from three for the series, which is not good. It's not okay. Good he backed it up with a lot of trash talking. Yeah, he did. Um, I, I'm, I will say that these are the things that I was discouraged by the Grizzlies versus encouraged, but widely as a whole, very encouraged. I mean, Desmond Bain, we, we saw him struggle the first couple games, like – there was, there was talk about him having a back injury. Uh, the shooting splits proved out. He shot well, like the whole series. From two, a little bit worse, but from three is what he expected, 80% from the line. Um, would like to have seen him be able to do a little bit more, but, I mean, he was kind of in a deficit when Ja was running the show, and he was, str like, struggling. And then he, I think he, he he gave it the good, proper college try when, uh, when Ja was no longer in the series, and one of the big reasons that they were successful. Yeah. And by the way, you talked about shooting splits for Bain. Jaw was shooting the lights out like everywhere from two, from three and three pointer. He was unconscious. That's why I'm just like, I feel like we were cheated out of like a really, really like fully, fully competitive series. And I, it sucks that Gary Payton the second went out with that injury. It sucks. But even then, like I didn't feel like the words had much of an answer, which I think we called, I think we called beforehand. But the Grizzlies had a better time. I think Richard and I talked about it, guarding Jaw, but the Warriors didn't really have anyone who can really stick with him. Like, yeah, you have Gary Payne, who has similar athleticism, who can approach Jaw, but you can't. But I was even impressed with, like, like I like Jaron Jackson Jr. and what he was able to do. But, man, he needs to really, like, I'm looking at his fouls compared to everyone else. Like, it is just, like, even Dylan Brooks, who I, for me, sometimes I'm like, Dylan Brooks is, like, hacking someone almost every possession. I'm like, I'm like, Jaron Jackson Jr., man, 22 fouls. You got to, like, calm down with the fouls, which I know will come with age. He's only 22. But I'm, all the way across, though, I'm really excited for this, for the future of this team. I mean, where you have currently no one who got major playoff minutes is over 30. And most of your guys are around 25. I'm very excited for the future of this team, man. If things stay healthy, because you know how you know how basketball can be. Your window could be open one season, then after that, it's completely shut. I think there's going to be a team that's going to be able to compete. And I wouldn't be surprised if within Jaws' career, 
if they're able to keep that core to get to at least one finals. Yeah, I mean, they definitely have, I say, the three pieces you need. You need the guy who can get his shot whenever he wants it from a lot of different spots. That'd be John Morant. You need the big who can who can be an elite defensive player and can spread. And then if he can spread the floor at the same time, like get this, you get this two, piece in two in one thing. Like this is the Chris Bosh that like I was hoping he would be. I mean, he's not as good in the post, unfortunately, but this is the, that's why I had the comparison. Jer- Jaron Jackson Jr. can shoot and he can defend. And you got the the other guard who can play off the play off your star and just be a, a walking bucket and be super efficient. Now let me let me. I know you said you were pretty impressed with Jaron Jackson Jr. except for the fouling. I, I want to challenge Jaron Jackson Jr. to refine some of that offensive game because this man is not small, and he's very skilled. Like he's not like a turnover machine. Like he had seven turnovers for set for six games. Like, but he does catch the ball and move the ball and be a part of the offense consistently. I need this guy to figure out how to score inside the three-point line. It's been it's been a lot a, a through line for his career so far. Um, he just does not have like a lot of touch around the basket. Like let me let me read the the splits for you. So like, as a big man, whose three his three-point shots are what like watch when his his. So we'll go to we'll, let me scroll down to advanced stats and give you true shooting. He's never his rookie year when he shot really well. Wow, they shoot really well. Yeah, he shot 36 percent. His his rookie season, he got his true shooting up to 59. It's been 59 the second year when he shot really good from three. But he really hasn't with a with a big. I know he shoots a lot of threes, but he's a good three point shooter. He should be able to push that 60 percent true shooting line. Like he's a little too good to not be better inside the arc. Yeah, and I'm happy you brought up Chris Bosh. Like literally, that's what I think of of Hines to emulate because Chris Bosch, I mean, before he went out there, Chris Bosch was a monster in the post. Please look at his highlights, you guys, from 2003 to 2010. Even at the beginning of the heat time, he was, he was a nice lefty. That's what we like. And then spread it out, which I know we're getting early on the heat stuff. I still wish those LeBron and Wade and Boschians would have put him at center sooner because I believe they would have won at least three championships instead of two. So put it out there. But with, with him, I, I love what they have, which, and then of course, like, I think bench guys, like for me, like Brandon Clark is like one of the ideal big guys. Like if I have a big guy coming off the bench, that's who I want. If someone like Brandon Clark, like, because energy, the way that he slips those screens, like, I think he's one of the best. Like it reminds me of taking back a little bit of a prime Amari Stoudemire. If you're watching those Amari Stoudemire and Steve Nash pick and rolls, Amari would split those so quickly or, I should say slip, not slip. Yeah, slip. He will slip those so quickly. I'm like, I love it every time. And I think they have a good cast of veterans. Sometimes I think of veterans like guys who are 30. But you have guys that played in the NBA for a while. Like you have my Kyle Anderson, my Steven Adams. Like even though Steven Adams got like barely any burn. I mean, it was 83 minutes in the entire series. I still like having him on the team. Like I think it's give a shout out to the coaching staff. Taylor Jenkins is a great coach. The GM, I mean, I think this is one of the teams that's mainly built through, like, I think the core players are mainly built through the draft. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at, I think, I'm trying to see what the basic stats are sorted by. I think it's points per game. Jaw drafted, 
Jaron Jackson Jr. drafted Bain, drafted Brooks, drafted Tyus Jones, traded for Clark, drafted Danthony Melton, traded for when he was in his second season and not playing much for the Phoenix Suns. Kyle Anderson, tra- uh, veteran. Zaire Williams, drafted. Steven Adams, traded for, like, dumped on you because they wanted Jonas Valanciunas. Uh, Tillman, drafted. John Conkar, I have no idea where he came from. And Jarrett Culver was a, a, a wash just traded to you. Like, this team is a drafted team. If they they have some cast space, I believe, and they, if they can get you know someone to just take some of Dylan Brooks's shots away, I mean the man, I I appreciate a guy who wants it so bad, but gosh, have some self awareness about how not ready for that moment you are. Now now, would you put him at the same confidence level of someone like a Jordan Crawford? I don't. I mean, I, I'll pull up Jordan Crawford stats. I don't know if he ever had thirty-one percent from the field for a season, let alone a series. Oh I'm sure he did because Jordan Clarkson was a chucker. Don't get me wrong, but like that's what I, that's what I think of when you said. You, oh, you, you meant Jordan Crawford. Crawford, I, not not Clarkson. I, I don't know what you said, but I typed in Clarkson. But yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. And Jordan Crawford, man, definitely I'm a chucker. Why can I not find Mr. Crawford right now? It's all good. I mean, don't even, there don't... we go. I'm I'm looking it up. I love Jordan Crawford. I, know, I will not legend. So he was a career 41 from the field, 31 from three. It's mm. always shocking that he never shot the three ball very good. But I, I don't know, and I don't know why that is. But yeah, he 100 a chucker, always a chucker. And like, but like you're right though, someone who can who can definitely like come in and take some of those shots. But Moving forward, though, before we head out over the East, like I said, I liked it. And for the Warriors, they did a heck of a job. I mean, I feel like you kind of – I think they were very, very happy seeing Clay come out in that game six the way that he did. Because he kind of felt like Clay still making his way back, still making his way back. And that that game six, you were like, if we're getting this type of Clay moving forward, you're in trouble. Because Steph Curry didn't have the best shooting series. Like, even free throws for him, I think at one point he missed like seven straight free throws, which is like – unheard of like he does not do how, how do you do that <laughs> yeah like he shot like he shot really bad for the series but of course i like seeing jordan pool i like seeing the way to use wiggins and i love that they're giving kaminga a lot of burn like they're getting and they even have one game where they got like quality minutes from Otto porter jr which we're loving it so i'm just like this is a team that let's say if they do end up facing phoenix i think this is one of the teams that match up pretty well with phoenix and can really punch phoenix in the mouth yeah, I, I'm very convinced the Warriors will be the Western Conference representative in the finals. Oh, I'm very, I'm very convinced of that. I mean, I'm looking at like, I mean, obviously they dispatched Memphis in six games without Jaw playing the last three, but like this, this, this team can really improve off what they did. Like Curry shot 33% from three, Clay shot 36, which that's been a bit more of his normal since the injuries. Pool was down to 31. Wiggins at 33, that's fine. But like Porter and Lee were shooting for, like I'm saying, these guys have the surrounding talent that they. It's not just the Curry show, though it it does feel like it because obviously, like it's kind of always a carnival with how Curry plays offense. I I think this is the best team in the West right now. I think I'm I'm in the same boat as you. I mean, when healthy, I mean they got a good for me, a good like seven man rotation, like a solid seven man rotation. Where you have like Curry, Thompson, Wiggins, and Green starting, and then just exchange either Looney or maybe if you're feeling like Kaminga, whatever. But then Jordan Poole there. That for me is like, this is where I'm going with. And I like it for them. And it will be interesting though if, if Phoenix wins today, like you said, like um, 
DeAndre Ayton should have more success against Golden State than he did against the Mavericks. Because the Mavericks have definitely have a lot of big guys to throw at him. But Golden State doesn't really... I mean, besides, I feel like Looney would be like... He would expect him to be like the main defender on Ayton. Because Ayton's not really going to stretch Looney out too far. It's going to make him move around a lot. So I feel like Looney's going to be the main guy. I mean, Draymond Green's probably going to pester him. I could see that. Make his life difficult. But I'm interested to see how they how they do those matchups. It's probably the reason I want the Suns to win. Because I want to see DeAndre Ayton be challenged by a guy like Draymond Green and see if he's willing to be the seven-footer that he is. You know, like I, I, I'm i not going to sit out here and be like, say something like stupid, like DeAndre Ayton's soft or anything. I don't believe that. I don't believe that at all. But I definitely do think he doesn't always rise to the, the challenge. I remember watching that buff, the, the Arizona-Buffalo game in the NCAA tournament. I know he was playing next to another big, but he was the big, biggest and best player on the court by a mile and he just but was you could not tell. aggressive i remember watching that, i remember watching aggressive. that tournament game too and i'm like am i really watching arizona lose to this buffalo team like am i am i really watching this it's one thing if like arizona would have just got shot out of the gym with a small from a smaller team that's the kind of thing happens like a big guy has a hard time controlling a game in college basketball without a, a lead guard but it was just the like lethargic energy and like just I, it, I, it, the whole thing was a bad vibe for me. It's the only reason I was like, obviously we all thought like we were actually on the train of draft Luca number one, but I defended drafting the massive center that's worked for in the NBA for a really long time because he has all the skills. He has the size and he has some good instincts. He's not slow. Like all the things he checks the boxes, but if he does not get his butt inside the paint and like be pre- present himself, as like a, a lob threat or as like a quick duck in option against guys like Kevin Kevon Looney and Draymond Green. I know Draymond's so strong. I really do. But you can do it. Like I've I've seen Bam in the regular season do it. And Bam's not as strong as as um DeAndre Ayton. I've seen I've seen there's all kinds of centers who I've just seen show like I saw Whiteside back when he was playing for the Heat. I know I'm picking Heat guys right now, but he would get quick duckins against Draymond and he has no skill and he shot the ball from his shoulder. Come on, like if 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 the Suns advance today, this is a series that decides if DeAndre Ayton should be a max player or if he just gets a max contract. In my personal opinion. All right, I love it. All right, now let's go ahead and head back out east. Uh, talk about a series near and dear to your heart. Includes a team that you may you may enjoy watching. We got the Miami Heat defeating the Sixers. In six games, almost feels like they should have been like a 5-1 series. I don't know why. Like I feel that vibe. It should have been like a 5-1 series, but we got a 4-2 series, and I think it's mainly because Joel coming back when he did, which makes sense. He's MVP candidate. But Ethan, I'll let you take it away. So, what are your thoughts coming out of this series? How you feel about the Heat, and then of course, how you feel about the Sixers coming out? Well, cocky Heat fan, um, this should have been a sweep. I. I'm trying to look at the quarter-by-quarter quarter splits for game three. That's the only game. And, yeah, Philadelphia absolutely ran away with it in the fourth quarter. They won the whole game by 20. They won that quarter by uh, 16 points, right? No, 17 points. So here's 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 my point in, in a nutshell. It's the Heat had two of the worst three-point shooting games that they've had all season um, in games three and four. And lost one by 20 and lost one by eight 
And I really, and one with, the one by eight, Jimmy Butler scored 40 points without any spacing because no one was making threes. And then they blew him out in game five. And then game six, they won by nine. The Heat won by nine, but it was not a close it, game. It definitely in my, felt, like it, my personal opinion. I think the Heat had like almost a 20 point lead for most of the game, if not 20 yeah, points. The, the Sixers made a little push in the fourth quarter as like the Heat were pulling their starters. Let me see if I have the quarter by quarter. Yeah, the Philadelphia, Philadelphia outscored them in the uh, in the fourth quarter by two um the heat ha- were had outscored them by 10 in the third quarter but none of that like that was very much an early 25 points for the heat and a very late 27 in the fourth quarter for the 76ers in the in elimination game point being here um that that 76ers team was not equipped to beat the heat um they had to have perfect games from Tyrese Maxey, and as soon as the Heat made the adjustment to put Jimmy Butler on Tyrese Maxey, he lost his efficiency. He lost his runouts. He was marked, and he was not getting anywhere. I was going to say, uh, Joel, like, it was right after I forgot what game. By the beginning of the series, I was like, all right, we're going to have to watch out for Tyrese Maxey. What's going on here? But then, like, as the series went on, I heard less and less of him being mentioned and being brought up, and I'm like, the Heat figured, to, like, they figured out what to, who to put on him which is often what happens. I know, I know. Well, he's super fast. He's super quick. He's got a nice tight handle. Like He's not a turnover-prone guy. He had 11 turnovers for the entire series. And other than Joel Embiid and James Harden, he had the ball the third most. So impressive to only have seven turnovers in a six, or 11 turnovers in a six-game series as a primary um, facilitator. Um, what I will focus my attention on, by the way, Joel Embiid had 12, and he played in four games. I mean, obviously he has the ball more, but I'm just saying, Joel Embiid, still a turnover-prone player. Um, Tyrese Maxey, though, he really doesn't have a counter to his speed yet. He needs to learn his change of pace stuff. He really just has to get you on his he- on your heels and then just pull up quick and hope that shot goes in. Or he does kind of have that drive hard right and then fall back away um, off his, would be his left shoulder, like spins, spins a... Uh, clockwise away from the defender um i'm sh- i'm struggling to like he has that shot in his bag but he really doesn't have like a pull up three he doesn't really have a multiple move like a, he's there's he, there's there's no demar Derozan in this man's mid-range game and if he gets any ounce of that if he gets like maybe even a, a half of a chris milton package for the mid-range game he's going to be looking much much prettier um, and he's going to be able to score with even with a Jimmy Butler guarding him or a Bam in a switch. He'll be able to have and play some advantages there. I I think we don't need to talk about the Heat that much. I'm sure we can we'll be talking about them as this playoffs continues because we will talk d- despite no matter who they play in the first round about that that series next week. But I think we should focus on what what does this 76ers teams do because obviously James Harden can opt out and be a free agent. Or he can, you know, sign an extension off his off an opt-in. Tobias Harris is overpaid. Joel Embiid's just always. It's sad. We hate it, but he's consistently having these health problems that keep him out of playing his best. I mean, Danny Green was kind of washed anyway, but he doesn't have a knee anymore. Um, where does this team go? I don't see like the young guys who are going to step up and make this team better. You pretty much have, yeah, but you pretty much have like Maxi, and then that's kind of it. Like, and and Tybal, I mean the the home crowd was hating him towards the end. He can't shoot. He uh, really can't shoot. He can't do that. I mean, that's that's just the truth of it all. I mean, and that game six, it just felt I don't know. Like looking at it with the seventy sixers, it just felt ugly. 
like as far as like did, did you get a point i don't know if you watched all of it but like you kind of for me it kind of reached a point where you kind of felt like the sisters before yeah they made a push at the end but it kind of felt like they knew they were beat like earlier than that and like that that just like got me in like like one play that i saw that i was just like oh, okay really what's going on the jimmy butler went shot the shot and then he missed it and there were three 76ers players right there and of course jimmy gets his own offensive rebound goes back to three-point line and makes a three like uncontested three and like the crowd started booing at that point and i'm like well of course but i will tell you this if i've noticed with the heat if you're a team who does not have their best effort the heat are going to make you look really bad that is something i've noticed when you're playing against them because they tend to go like pretty much like from end to end going real hard but looking at the team and even even coaching too like my confidence in doc man like sometimes like i'm just like doc what are we doing here like yeah you got the championship with the celtics but sometimes it seems like when he really has to like all right we need a good game plan we need to do something it's almost as if like if it doesn't go that the way he needs it to go he's like well i put the game plan out that the players just couldn't execute and i'm like how many times have i heard this like i heard heard this repeatedly over and over again he he's just he's just rigid and i don't i don't think he makes adjustments well um i i'm listen i know doc rivers knows a lot more about basketball than i do won't 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 contest that at all but you're right he had the the big the celtics big three and he got a championship with them which is impressive you know you, you did it in one season like the heat didn't do that and they had a better big three than they did um so impressive stuff but it's always the rhetoric with Doc that something is that's not his fault. It's like, oh, we were we, we, we never lost with Kendrick Perkins. Okay. Yuck. What are we talking about? Like, Kendrick Perkins being hurt did not make the Lakers beat you. Um, and then it was, you know, he couldn't manage. Oh, man, think about how good Blake Griffin was in Detroit still. And he was pretty, he was basically that, just not unleashed with the Clippers. He reached his prime, like. I was thinking of like the 14-15 when the Warriors won their first championship. That Clippers team, like Blake Griffin, like I remember they beat the Spurs in the first round and then they lost to the Rockets in the conference semifinals. But that Clippers team, like you're talking about talented, like Blake Griffin, I think we all knew he was at least 20 and 10 and he was still pretty freakishly athletic too. And he was figuring out like I can dribble now, I can handle the ball. And you had like, J.J. Redick 